0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's
1: begin now. <laughs> it's noon on a Saturday. And K-State's not playing until 7. That means you get a full slate of shows, live and local. It's no longer BBK anymore. From ten to noon, it's now uh, it's now just Binkley. BB Bink. I don't, I don't know if that bangs. I wish it did. I'm trying to think of what is it is he still going to call it the leadoff?
2: I th- I think that like you know it used to be like Bink at night and Bink yeah. Sunday. I think it just should be like just Bink. It's called like Bink every day. It's called like Bink 182. Bink lives here.
1: Binkley does, Bink's sh- house. Binkley does the show naked, and yeah. he calls it Bink 182.
2: I like that actually. Not the part about Bink being naked, but that's what name. I like the most. You like that the most? Exactly. You know what I like? I have these notes, but I gotta say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That oh! was ready for that, were you?
1: Nope. Um, we compared ourselves to the McRib sandwich. Now we're basically the shamrock shake. We're back, but we're here before March, so be excited. I just can't tell you the ice cream machine's going to actually work. But that's where we're at. Nick Price, Dusty Likens, out of bounds. 610 Sports Radio, live and local every Saturday. You get Jay Binkley with the leadoff, 10 to noon. You get us from 12 to 3, and then you get the...
2: Sexiest Trio in Sports Radio with overtime.
1: That's right. Jillian Carroll, Chris Unicero, and Julio Sanchez. I don't know who's more excited about the XFL, Jay Binkley, Kramer, or Chris Unicero. Uh, Chris Unicero, who does the um, podcast on the WWE, AEW, um, all those types of wrestling organizations. I know he's probably like really horny for it. Uh, Kramer, I think would probably be kind of there. Binkley, I can't, I can't even tell you how excited he is. It's unbelievable. For one of the most pathetic things that we're about to see for the next few weeks. Um, we'll dive Until it in. folds. Exactly. Right. We'll dive into the XFL. I've got I've got some takes that I think a lot of people that are excited for it will probably hate. Um, that's what we're here for: is to create conversation and have our opinions. And I just really don't understand how you can defend the XFL. Um, I'm pretty sure we all watched that 30 for 30 and how poorly ran it was. And oh, it's different now, Dusty. It's it's completely revamped, and they really know what they're doing. Okay. Okay. Because Monday Night Raw sucks. Smackdown sucks. And the guy that's ahead of all of it is Vince McMahon who sucks. Okay. So we'll not a good recipe
2: for success. We'll
1: do it again. We'll, we'll go watch Matt McGloin. I'll hold on to those topics because we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I think where we want to start this, this show off is, is, is kind of where we want to end the season. All right. Um, chief season's over. I mean, you're, you're okay with it this year, right?
2: right. The best possible ending.
1: Right. Um, and I think that like everything, I think like parades um, in sports, at least officially mark the end of what was a season. It's like,
2: like the perfect punctuation point on a season, you know, the perfect exclamation point to add yeah, to the 50 years that you've great. been waiting for this and the super bowl run and everything. Right. It's a time where like, not only the team gets to like, step back and really like celebrate in a their accomplishments, but also the city can come around and it brings people together. And it's like, yeah, it's the perfect ending to the Super Bowl run.
1: Right. And I think that I think the best and most important part is that which I mean, we'll get into a little bit later about how some people were like just very like put off by the celebration of it. Um, Maybe you haven't seen best man speeches or, you know, bridesmaid speeches at weddings, because I can tell you one thing right now, once the wedding's over and you get on that party bus, I mean, everybody puts their morals aside. The Patron bottle goes around. The claws are with the bras and the ladies. Um, The Trulies come out and you become false. Uh, The beers get flown. Everything goes down and just the most atrocious music gets played. That's what happens on a party bus on your way to the wedding. And guess what? You're going to have to give a speech about the groom and the bride. And those people, most of the time, lit. Okay? That's exactly what happens in the parade. Now, Nick, you and I went to the parade together. Yeah, Um, I met you at your place, or I met you here. We drove to your place, um, and then we went to your girlfriend's apartment, and then we got to uh, the Liberty Memorial, and then that's where we kind of parted ways. I had to go find my dad, who was there solo. Right, um, which was a hell of a find. Yeah, Um,
2: I found my dad. I I randomly ran into like all of my friends from college. Yeah, that was like we didn't we didn't even like communicate, and I was like, hey, that's Churchill.
1: All right. Yeah, Winston. Um, I remember when when like we got to that point. Like, we were right on the corner at Union Station, and I kind of looked over, and I'm like, hey, my dad's at Pershing and uh, Grand. I've got to somehow get over to that George Washington statue, for those of you that are familiar with Kansas City and that area, right before you get to Crown Center. That's where my dad and I stood. It was right on that corner. So right when they made that final turn, uh, when everybody was three to seven sheets to the wind, great. we got some great video. My dad was a kid in a candy store getting to see all that and it was kind of funny, too, because my dad was like, who's that guy? Who's this guy? Because by the time they got to where we were at, like, players had abandoned bus. Yeah. Like, Tyron Matthew was one of them. Like, he was the first guy I saw where I was like, oh, that's that's Tyron Matthew. My dad was like, where? And he was like, on a swivel. And then – uh Reggie Raglin came behind him, nasty-ass 59, uh, was right behind Tyra Matthew. And then the guy, I'm not even going to lie to you, that, like, made my day light up was Sharice Davids comes over, and then uh, Mayor Lucas comes over with, like, his rally flag. And I could just see in his eyes he was somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. Yeah. Like, there was no judgment. My dad had a flask of four roses that we were drinking in front of cops. I think they were fine with it. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think the way that the parade was – it's like where you and I described it, where we started. I think I told you this as we were kind of coming through the hills. I was like, I've never been in in like a battlefront. I've never fought in a war. I don't know if I ever will, but I kind of felt like that's kind of like the anticipation that you get for those of you that have maybe I don't know been there in like the Revolutionary Wars. I guess that's the best way to describe it, but was like. You go down this hill and everybody's kind of with you and everybody's just kind of like, all right, we're calm before the storm. And then we came up to the Liberty Memorial, went around it, came down the hill and just like the sea of people were there. And that's where like it was like, okay, this is real. Like this is a gigantic crowd. Like with the Royals parade, I went there with 6'10". We went to the former place that was the cashew. I just sat in the corner of the bar and we just kind of watched it from up above. Like I was safe at a vantage point. I knew exactly where I had to be when I had to be there. This one was more so like, okay, my dad's over there with like 1700 other people. I'm going to go find him. Nick, you look like you're doing all right. See you later.
2: Right. And also like, it's just crazy. I haven't walked that far in a long time. Like we walked from basically like 43rd and Broadway down in Westport by my apartment, all the way down to union station And just going down there with, like, very little plan, basically. Like, I kind of had this idea of, oh, I want to be in relatively the same spot that I was for the Royals parade. Because it gives you a a view of the players coming around the final turn and of the rally on the stage. Uh, But other than that, really didn't have any plan. We just kind of, like, aimlessly walked into a crowd of thousands and thousands of people. And the fact that you found your dad was amazing because I was looking for my sister for a while. Turns out she was maybe like 100 feet away from me like the entire time when I talked to her after the parade. Right. But we just couldn't even find each other out there.
1: Yeah, I think it was crazy, too, because like when I got home, uh, the first thing I did was I turned my shower on pure heat. I did get cold towards the end. It got colder as the day went on. Which it normally does that um, because the sun gets lower.
2: Right. Well, it usually like it gets warmest like right around noon, right, right, because the sun is highest in the sky and okay. like, but like go. that's just not it's not how it worked the other day. Like right when that snow came in, it started to get a little bit chilly, but I don't think m- many people there really cared because they were so boozed up and they were wearing yeah. their booze jackets and they were good. And I think after that parade, I
1: fe- I felt like it was one of those days where like when I got home and of course no one's there, I'm just talking to my damn self and I close the door and lock it and I'm like, you know what? That went exactly to plan. Mm -hmm. I was like, I told Nick I wanted to meet him at the radio station at 630. We wanted to leave his house by 730. We wanted to get down to the parade by about nine. We did all of that. And then I got home. My car was where it needed to be. I didn't get towed. Everything was fine. Um, I wasn't plastered by any means. Um, And then I got home and I took a shower and I kind of relaxed. And I was like, I can't believe this happened because Where you were different than my experience is that as soon as they like got to crowns or as soon as they got to Union Station, my dad and I were like, you know what? We'll hear the speeches on the radio. Mm -hmm. We'll see them on the TV get replayed and replayed and replayed. And we were fine with that. It was kind of an uh, iconic shot as we were coming back towards the station um, as he dropped me off here as we were coming up 35 where it it splits between Broadway and 35 towards like uh, like coming towards here to Shawnee Mission. Yeah. And there were cars parked in obscure places. There were uh, just a great shot of just red moving all the way back towards the Liberty Memorial, and then the players started talking. And as soon as Patrick Mahomes said, my knee was in the side of my leg, I knew they weren't feeling any pain. And I know you have to drink a lot to feel it when it's that cold. Right. And I know that they were probably in like a nice, warm, safe place before they started Um, and everything that went on with it. And to think that there weren't really that many arrests, Now, there was the obscure, I don't know what the guy was doing with the car ahead of time. Yeah, the police chase
2: like to start the day out. They actually showed that on the big screen out at Union Station, and like the whole crowd went nuts when they used that pit maneuver to take him out. Right, and it didn't help that Pat McAfee had tweeted that Kansas City's parade is off to a wild start,
1: in all caps. And, of course, Pat McAfee has a pretty big following. Um, And then we get... uh, we get old boy on the horse with a joint, yeah. right? That wasn't Saw that his guy. horse? Like,
2: that was pretty close. Uh, we were pretty close to that. I actually, so rewind a little bit. Last year at the AFC Championship game, there was a guy at Arrowhead going through the parking lot on a horse. So right. I was like, this is probably the same guy. Wasn't the same guy. I guess there's multiple Chiefs fans with horses out there that like to bring him to big events like this. But yeah, he got arrested. He was, uh, I think he was smoking a joint or something. No,
1: so He was for sure smoking a joint.
2: Yeah, there's a couple videos of it out there. And then uh, how about the guy just with his ass out falling out of the tree
1: that's that's my spirit animal yeah because I can't go there anymore now I know that I only have like a small role here at this station right now and a small
2: following but like if you but did if something like that
1: I would become it's over. I'd become infamous before I became anything that remotely resolved and demo- demographically famous right but that guy is exactly where I'd be if I was selling paper copies nine to five Monday through Friday. I'd have gotten that trashed. I'd have probably been with my ass out in a tree trying to get to a vantage point because sometimes my jeans go a little low. And that guy just didn't give a rip, and it was colder than hell, and he had his ass out for the entire world to see it. And he really tried to fight it, and he tried to pull his pants up. Now, I don't think he was feeling much, so good for that guy because I don't know what he's been through as a Chiefs fan. I don't know what he's watched as a Chiefs fan, and I don't know who he's watched it with, but I've watched some Chiefs games with some pretty stressful people. Some people that have been like, this game's over. We suck again. I'm not going through this. And that was this year. And then they win the Super Bowl, and now you can just kind of be like that guy that's like, great, there's no more hate in the world. No more hate the Chiefs. I'm fine. Ass out. Tree up. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I thought was crazy was, we'll get into a little bit later, the guy that caught the pass from Mahomes or yeah, tried to yeah. and completely just, uh, well, block or charge if you want to follow Rex, uh, right. Rex Chapman on First Twitter. First thing I thought about. Yeah, I think I tweeted at Rex Chapman. Unfortunately, he didn't say anything back. He has Uh before. He has before. Okay. Um, But to wrap all this up and to wrap my experience up and to wrap Nick's up, uh, we're alive. We're safe. Uh, I hate to say this. It bothers me, but I got to do it because I'll be honest. We missed it on the count. I thought we were going to have a lot more people. I mean, I shot for 3 million. Uh, yeah, no, I, kinda, I thought then, the 3
2: million was a little excessive. And then, and then you but talked me out of I it. I said like 1.5, yeah, right? And then,
1: and then you talked me out of it, and we got to an agreement where we got to 1.5 because we talked about the, Cav- the Cavaliers parade. That was 1.3 million, and we figured if there was 2 million per capita there around that area and 1.3 showed up, we were like, okay, well, if there's roughly a little bit more than that in Kansas City, that maybe 1.5 could show up. I think where the numbers officially come out, Um, I think there'll be somewhere around a million to like 900,000 in that window. Yeah. The
2: Royals was 800 K
1: and then this one will be
2: somewhere around there. I also think too, like I was looking back at, there were a lot of those side-by-sides pictures of like the Royals parade and the chiefs parade. And they look pretty similar to me. Like, I think that when we look back at things, we like to embellish it a little bit. And we like to think that like, Oh, the entire city was covered in blue. Yeah. And I mean, it was a tremendous turnout for the Royals. It was also a yeah. tremendous turnout for the Chiefs. It was pretty similar. Uh, I think the weather had a lot to do with that and the impending snow and all of that. I think that kind of that discouraged some people, but also the fact that the Royals parade was kind of a mess because they'd never done anything like that before. People thought back on that and they're like, maybe I'll just stay at home for this one.
1: Yeah. And what all this means and what all these great stories and experience means is that it's the end of what was, I guess you can call it, a magical season. It started with training camp and the tremendous turnout that Nick Price and I tried to tell you was going to look like Royals Fan Fest from Dolby. 2014. Nailed it. Um, the injuries that plagued the season early with Tyreek, with Patrick, with the offensive line, with Frank Clark, everybody's like, ah, it's not worth it, five sacks in the postseason. Um, the loss to the Titans, I think that like kind of awoke the team. That was like the right before the climax of the season. You were all the way down, and then it – Turned around, um, you know the win streak that ensued after that, and then the wild week seventeen with with Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Fitz Magic and the Dolphins beating the Patriots, and the rest is the rest is history for you, for Chiefs fans, for everybody, and I, I strongly believe that what we talked about on Monday morning, the morning after the Super Bowl, between the hours of two a.m. and six a.m. Thanks again for everyone listening to that. I think you're going to have to get used to this. And we've got more about this. But again, the Chiefs season is over. It is over. It is a good ending. It's a new book. You're used to the old book. It ends in heartbreak. It ends in disappointment. The new new ending to the new book is just like all those books you read as a child. Good guy wins in the end. That's exactly what happened for Kansas City Chiefs fans. Why it doesn't end anytime soon is because Marino and Brady... That's basically where we're at with Patrick Mahomes.
0: Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio.
1: Back in on 610 Sports Radio live and local on Saturday. Full slate of shows. Uh, You heard Binkley from 10 to noon. You hear us till 3. You hear Unicero, Carroll, and Sanchez until 5. K-State pregame starts at 6 p.m. here on 610 Sports Radio. And then tip-off is at 7KU currently battling TCU. The last I checked, it was 40-30. to Um, The XFL is a doubleheader tonight and again a doubleheader tomorrow. That doesn't mean anything to me. But, of course, it's sports. It's February. Football is over. So we've got to dive into that. This uh, tweet um, from Dan Salio about 15 hours ago, I think, is like one of those catfish tweets. Where he says, the Bengals, I have been told, are listening to offers for the number one pick in the NFL draft. Oh, they listening? Yeah. From the Chargers, Dolphins, Broncos, Bears, and Bucks. Um, Yeah. I mean, that just seems like one of those tweets where you'd be like, hey, guess what? Let's see what we can do to get 841 likes, 222 retweets, and 147 comments. Just because they're listening doesn't mean they would do it. But then, of course, then everybody becomes an NFL GM or CEO where they're like, well... Now, if I'm the Broncos and they're trying to get, Joe, you know, Burrow, here's what they're going to have to give up. They're not. The Bengals are not giving up that pick. That's just what they're doing. They're listening, just like you would do if you had a lot of property that you never planned on giving up. But, like, somebody was like, hey, man, what's up? What would it take to give that up? You'd be like, I'm listening, and that's it.
2: Right, not to mention, like, that's just going to add more hype when they do draft Joe Burrow to the yeah. Bengals because it's going to be like, look at all these other teams that wanted to trade up, but we got em.
1: Yeah, Drew Lock okay. reads that tweet, and he's like, what the? F-?
2: He's like, we had a good thing
1: going, John. Yeah, I won four of my last five. The only game I lost was to that freak Mahomes in the snow and Arrowhead. It sucked. Um, Oscars are this Sunday. We'll give out our Chiefs awards for best actor in a leading role, best supporting actor, best... Uh, Best uh, role in a comedy uh, role. We'll have a we'll have a best uh, what best original best score, original score, and we'll have all that for you at about one thirty. We were kind of talking a little bit ahead of time about our most overrated. I think that my top three most overrated sports movies are as followed: Hoosiers, Remember the Titans, and what was my third one? Oh, Field of Dreams. To me, those are my top three most overrated films. I'm sure I've just pissed a lot of people off that are listening. Probably most of them. That's fine. There's 19 reasons I can tell you why Remember the Titans to me is overrated. Because none of it's true. Disney just really polished a movie that was loosely based on events. And then after you figure out what these events were that they lied about, you're like, what am they're I watching? like, wait, that's
2: like really critical to the movie.
1: And this Caribbean jerk sandwich they're advertising on TV right now is really getting to me. But what we need to do, that's Zaxby's I've never been there.
2: Um, but I yeah. have. It's great.
1: But yeah, um, text line 69306 from the Smitty's Garage, burgers and beer, text line 14. Um, that's where we're at. Where we're at now is where I think we're at with, to- with-, with Patrick Mahomes because a lot of people want to play your comp. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the other night I was bored in my apartment being the sports nerd that I am and I've got a dart board and a dry erase board because when you play cricket you've got to be able to make your marks right um, and I started writing on this board quarterbacks that people either have compared Patrick Mahomes to or have put Patrick Mahomes in this category with and so I kind of tried to narrow it down a little bit more and I put together, Um, quarterbacks between the ages of 23 and 24 years old and where they rank between that again, that is a very small sample size. That's not the biggest sample I get, but this is what we have to deal with because that's where Patrick Mahomes is. And again, some of these quarterbacks on this list, um, are debunked with some numbers because of the circumstances that they were in, but that's just unfortunate for them because I'm literally talking about quarterbacks between the ages of 23 and 24 and where they stood it there. Now where Mahomes is, and this is just absurd where he's at between the ages of 23, 24. I took three stats. I took total touchdowns, interceptions and total yards. I feel those are basically the big three on the slash line for a quarterback completion percentage, Yards per attempt, those are the other two that probably fit um, on the full slash line for quarterbacks. But Mahomes sits 76 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 9,128 yards. He also has one Super Bowl. I moved on, and I went to my next quarterback, and I thought, okay, Aaron Rodgers didn't play between the ages of 23 and 24 because, well, Favre. We'll get to Brett. I move on from Rodgers because that didn't take any work, and you get to Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning did start at the age of 23, 24. In fact, Peyton started at 22. Now, Peyton's 22-year-old start was his rookie year. He was thrown out to the Wolves and didn't really have a lot going on.
2: It was by far like the worst year of his career.
1: But the very next year, Peyton would go 13-3 and as a starter for the quarterback position for the Indianapolis Colts, mm-hmm. and his reign would start. So 23-24 Peyton was experienced in the league. He just didn't sit behind a guy. And Peyton Manning threw for 59 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. He did throw, I believe, I want to say, I want to say he threw 21 in his first year, and then he threw nine in his second year. So kind of a skewed stat. And he threw for 8,548 yards, no Super Bowl. Tom Brady didn't start at 23, started to start at 24 when Bledsoe gets hurt, and the rest of that year, he'd throw for 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 2,849 yards. Key stat, would win a Super Bowl that year. That was 2000, I believe, and one when he was 24 years old, and that's when it would start. Drew Brees only had one year under his belt. No, he had he had like a year and a half. 28 touchdowns, 31 interceptions, 5,392 yards, no Super Bowl. Dan Marino, 78 touchdowns, so two more than Pat, 38 interceptions, 21 more than Pat, 9,221 yards, roughly 90 yards more, no Super Bowl, and then Brett Favre, 37 touchdowns, 37 interceptions, 6,500 yards, obviously, no Super Bowl, and Joe Montana, it was his first year as a starter at the age of 24. 16 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 1,800 yards throwing, no Super Bowl yet. Basically, what we're seeing with Patrick Mahomes at the age of 23 and 24 is the combination of Dan Marino and Tom Brady, and I'll explain. When Tom Brady took over, he just knew how to win. He knew how to read things. He just saw things that other quarterbacks couldn't collectively see and then regurgitate them to be successful like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady have done. That clearly moves forward with the Super Bowl win. Like Tom Brady went with that Patriots team with that coaching staff, and they moved on. Does Drew Bledsoe win a Super Bowl with the Patriots in all those years? I can't honestly answer that question. I just know that Tom Brady at the time was 24 years old, and he already had figured out how to win in this league. So Patrick Mahomes has done at the age of 23 and 24. Does that come with sitting behind Alex Smith for a year at the age of 22? A lot of it, a lot of that has to do with sitting behind a guy who knows how to win. And knows how to play the position, just maybe not at the elite level that he has. That's where we move on to Dan Marino. I wasn't really following sports because I wasn't really alive when Dan Marino was out there doing this at the time in the late 80s. But I can imagine that when Dan Marino was doing this and hearing stories and reading reports and, and, and talking to people about what Marino was doing. What he was doing was something that they had never seen. Somebody who could go out there and not in a gunslinger's mentality, like Favre would end up doing and becoming and you know in that type of realm of like just throwing it up there and having somebody come down with it because you had really talented receivers Dan Marino had talented receivers had a really good head coach but Dan Marino just had that it factor where when they stepped on the field you just knew that they had more talent at that position than anybody else his arm was better his reads were better he just knew how to play the position Whereas Tom Brady obviously could play the position, not to the elite level that Marino could play it at the time, at the age, and Mahomes. But Tom Brady had that winning mentality. He knew how to get there. He knew where he needed to be at every aspect of the game. Two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Minute 25 left in the fourth quarter. Whereas Dan Marino would just go out there, and he would just be like, you know what? I'm more talented than everybody here. I have a more powerful arm than anybody here, and I can make it work, and I'll prove it to you. But Dan Marino didn't really finish off games and win a lot of games when they mattered most, which would be the Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes, at the age of 23 and 24, played in two AFC Championship games, came back from a lot of games and won, made things happen that have not been done before, like, you know, no-look passes, left-handed passes on a scramble from one of the best defensive end pass rushers in the game, linebackers more so than that. And that's where we're at with Patrick Mahomes, because we haven't seen enough of Patrick Mahomes' to really classify what we've seen in the past to what we've seen now. Now, I do believe that by the time Patrick Mahomes is 30, the numbers that he will potentially put up and the records that he will be on pace to break, Patrick Mahomes will be Patrick Mahomes. And I've heard some people say that when you compare Patrick Mahomes to other quarterbacks, how do you compare him to that? And they're already former athletes, uh, you know, writers for The Athletic, writers for The Star, writers for USA Today – Everybody, bloggers, podcasters, will say that now Patrick Mahomes is in a league where it's like we're now at a point where we're comparing quarterbacks to Patrick Mahomes. And when it comes to that type of level of status quo with Patrick Mahomes, where I can kind of put 23 and 24 years old in that age demographic is with guys like Dan Marino and Tom Brady. And when you put those two quarterbacks together, instead of saying, Well, he's got Peyton's mind. He's got Marino's arm. He's got Brady's this. He's take two quarterbacks and take a guy who in their first two years threw for 78, 38, 9, 20, 221, and Tom Brady who just took over a team and won a Super Bowl. That's the type of combination that Patrick Mahomes is. And moving forward, 25, 26, 27, when he starts to hit his prime, then he will become what we think with the trajectory of what he will become as maybe the best that we've ever seen play that position.
2: Yeah, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better combination of two guys to make a quarterback like Tom Brady's tenacity, like you said, and his ability to like just will his team to victory and find ways to win and not make that many mistakes and everything and really get the team to rally around him. And then Dan Marino, one of the guys who revolutionized the game and really came out here chucking it around yeah. more than anything that we've – really seen that much before that point, like that
1: magnitude, like those types of numbers,
2: right? Because like we had seen kind of the evolution of the game at that point where offenses were starting to open up. There was more pass plays. There was more of an emphasis on moving the ball through the air, but like Dan Marino took it to that next level. Same way that Patrick Mahomes right now is taking it to that next level.
1: And the thing to me, that's crazy about this is that if you want to stretch the box a little bit more and you want to like open up the parameters a little bit more, like Rodgers didn't start in his first, in his 23, 24 year old career because obviously Favre was there and Brady was just kind of getting to his realm. But at 23 24, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes had the same amount of rings. Dan Marino, who set the world on fire with putting up all these numbers and end up being like the quarterback that had all the accolades until Manning and Breeze and Brady would eventually pass all those numbers. Like Brady and Breeze didn't really start hitting their stride until they were like in their thirties. Right. And again, Patrick Mahomes already thrown for 50 touchdowns in one year. He's thrown for 5,000 yards in one year. He threw for 4,000 missing two and a half games. You saw what he's done in the playoffs. And all of that is already there at 23 and 24. And we've talked about this before that the stride doesn't really hit until they're about 28, 29. So four years from now. So when you think about it and the longevity of it, now, again, I'm not saying that he's going to play till he's 42 because we've seen quarterbacks that after they turn a certain age, or after they get that first contract completed, Andrew Luck, they're like, I'm done with this sport. And we're seeing more players in their NFL career a little bit earlier than most people could project. And with Patrick Mahomes and with his numbers that he's already put up and the trajectory that he has and the clout of position, just ceiling that there could be with Patrick Mahomes it's safe to kind of say that he could have the touchdown record, the passing yards record, the completions record, the wins record, because he's 23 and 20, because in his first two years at 23 and 24, he's so far ahead of where these guys were that if he's yet to hit his stride of his prime and his middle ages, then like what Michael Jordan said, the ceiling really is the roof. It doesn't make sense. It's absurd. And that all these other guys that are on this list, that didn't get started then, that did end up having great careers, that defend our theory that between the ages of 27 and 32 is the quarterback prime, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is set up for a lot more success. And where that also reflects is look at where all these teams have been that these quarterbacks are a part of. Mahomes and the Chiefs, we leave that out. Rodgers and Green Bay always seem to make the playoffs, had a Super Bowl run. They were the number 2 seed this year, I believe, in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Peyton Manning, enough said, with Indianapolis and the Denver Broncos. Tom Brady, enough said, he's the GOAT. Drew Brees, always there. And then Brett Favre, always there. And Joe Montana, four Super Bowl rings. So you have to think that we're not being biased or homers. That it's just the trajectory that he's on with all these other names, and yet he started two years before most of these guys even got going.
2: Right. Like, uh, we like to have a lot of fun of, like, Chiefs fans saying, like, Patrick Mahomes, he's the GOAT. Like, he's going to be the GOAT. He's going to pass Brady. And then everybody in the NFL is kind of like, hey, pump the brakes on this. He's still young. But the fact of the matter is that at this point, he's on pace for it. Like, when you put it together, the numbers, the wins, and the Super Bowl, he's on pace. To maybe be the greatest quarterback of all time.
1: And we continue our Patrick Mahomes discussion because they wrote an article about the most dominant athletes in the NFL. And most dominant, well, yeah, obviously.
0: Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Let's go to Belton
1: and talk to Paul.
0: Patty Jack, Maggie Jack, baby. Woo!
1: Text line, Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer. Text line, 15. um, 69306, what's the most overrated sports movie with the Oscars coming up on Sunday? I think it's either Remember the Titans or Hoosiers. Those are just my two. Um, Don't you dare talk any crap on The Replacements or The Sandlot. Um, Somebody from the 913 says, if he puts up Mitchell Trubisky numbers the rest of his career, he's got Kurt Warner numbers. That's... Not entirely inaccurate. Um, from the eight four oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, from the eight four seven. Bud Air was great. The dog that played basketball. LOL. Um, it's Air Bud, um, <laughs> and Bud Air is the is the movie that takes place in Colorado, or DC, or Vegas, or during the parade. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later when we get to uh, around the NFL. And hate to hate to see it. Love to see it. Those topics come back up as we have to do those on every saturday we've kind of just trying to just milk out um the rest of our nfl chiefs talk because the chiefs are done after today we've closed the book the parade has sealed that um in fact moving forward after this uh football talk basically goes away until about what april march like towards the middle or end of march yeah, you start, doing you these start getting drafts. like the, the
2: mock drafts and yeah. like you start getting that talk up you get Uh, apparently it's already started with teams trading up to the number one pick. (laughs) But yeah, that's pretty much like we're going to have a little break here for about a month or so where there's not really much to talk about in football because all the players are taking some much needed time off and all the executives aren't really around like making moves or anything. So this is, after this show, really, I mean, the focus is on baseball, right? Spring training starting up.
1: Yeah, just like fun sports stories. That's where you can really find your uh, fun sports radio shows. I hope you guys can enjoy us. Uh, continue to follow us along on Saturdays, live and local. We'll be back next Saturday. Uh, full show, 12 to 3. Um, but you'll get to see the creative side of hosts uh, during this time period. You'll see like where hosts really like to stretch the boundaries of of different sports topics, how they can make them entertaining instead of just like regurgitating the same thing that you've seen for the last five months in football. Like it's, it's over with. You got to move on. Um, and that's what we do after today. But Gil Brandt of uh, Around the NFL at NFL.com um, wrote this article about the most dominant players in football moving forward. And your quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, sits at the top. I think that's an obvious, uh, obvious, right? I mean, just like what he did in the playoffs, down 24 to 0, down 17 to 7, down 21 to 10, with you know, eight minutes and 35 seconds left or whatever it was. Um, he writes nothing illustrates the fear that Mahomes strikes in the heart of opposing coaches better than the final 59 seconds of the first half or the, f- of or the seconds of the first half of Super Bowl 54, uh, San Francisco had first and 10 on its own 20 yard line with all three timeouts left. And Kyle Shanahan still opted to call two run plays rather than use his timeouts and push for points with an aggressive approach because he didn't want to risk giving Mahomes an extra possession. Mahomes demonstrated exactly that kind of explosive ability Shanahan feared during the Kansas City's fourth quarter comeback, fueling a scoring spree of 21 unanswered points. No one can score as quickly as Patrick Mahomes, who continues to who combines his the ability to make throws, even other quarterbacks that are top-tier quarterbacks can't, with the um with the feel for the passing game that continues to improve each season. Again, he's 24. Um, he's just a quarterback under 25 and win a regular season MVP award and a Super Bowl MVP. Just imagine how good he'll be as he continues to master the game uh under Andy Reid. So yeah, that just kind of defends what we just talked about. But I also think it's interesting because when you move down this list, now we won't read the bios and the descriptions that Gil Brandt of NFL.com uh, wrote on these guys, but We talked about this earlier. Number two is Deshaun Watson. Number three is Lamar Jackson. You can flip those any way you want, but we had talked all year that the future of the NFL and the reason the NFL keeps its clout the way that it is and keeps its popularity and its entertainment status up to where it is is because the NFL is so good at turnover. And development and popularity that kids are still playing it at a high level and still want to play it at a high level. And the future of the NFL is the top three names of this list. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. Two of those quarterbacks will be getting paid. One of them very soon. Two of the three are the last two MVPs to win MVP. Deshaun Watson eventually will, I believe, get an MVP. Somehow you've just got to get Bill O'Brien out of there. But the Houston Texans are just fine with ruining Deshaun just Watson's like, hey, career. like,
2: Bill, here's the entire franchise. Yeah,
1: Here's the keys to my – it's like giving a guy who has nine DUIs the keys to your car yeah. after going out. Be like, hey, man, I trust you. Enjoy it. Hey, get me home. Yep, that's yeah, what they're okay. doing with Bill O'Brien. Um, number four at the list is Christian McCaffrey. Number five, Derrick Henry. I'm not going to read all 19. I'm just going to do the top 10. Six, George Kittle. Seven, Michael Thomas. Eight, Quentin Nelson. Uh, there you go. 9, Aaron Donald, and 10, T.J. Watt. Oh, I guess there's only 12. I thought there was 19. 11 is Stephen Gilmore, and 12 is Jamal Adams. Honorable mentions, only one Kansas City Chief, and that was Tyron Matthew. Now, where I disagree with this list is I think that Travis Kelsey should have probably been in the top 12 because if George Kittle's there, Travis Kelsey deserves to be there, and I think that Tyree Hill should be there because we'll play you an audio clip from earlier that we listened to where Brett Favre, Drew Brees, and... I forget who the other quarterback is. Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Yeah. Joe Montana, Brett Favre and Drew Brees are watching the Super Bowl, and they watch the, uh, what is it? The jet clip wasp play Uh and they're just mesmerized. And one of the things they say that I'm more intrigued with the clip was how they talk about Tyree kill. His name just keeps getting brought up because of his dynamic speed, his advanced route running that he's learned how to become better at. And I think Tyree kill makes it. Let's the other one. I don't really see up here is how TJ watt makes it. But Nick Bosa doesn't. Like right. Nick Bosa was a bad dude in that Super Bowl, very bad dude. Like he was going up against Eric Fisher, who has gotten a lot better and played a lot better left tackle than most people give him credit for. And yet Nick Bosa is not on this list, but T.J. Watt is, which is just baffling to me. And I know T.J. Watt's good, but where this sits for me is that the most compelling, the most dynamic, the most important. And the best position in all of sports is quarterback. And the Kansas City Chiefs have the most dominant player, according to this article, and to a lot of many people I think would agree with this, at the top of the list. And it's just something where, we talked about at the beginning, where the book has just changed.
2: Yeah, I think my biggest surprise with this list has got to be the fact that Kelsey and Hill aren't on the list because we're talking about the NFL's most clutch players. And if you've got Patrick Mahomes at number one, like a clear and obvious number right. one, Those guys are on the receiving end of all of the most clutch moments in Patrick Mahomes' career What was the biggest moment of the Super Bowl? The biggest moment of the Super Bowl, 30-15. Yeah, the
1: bomb to Tyreek. And the reason it worked was because Tyreek Hill, the way he sold that route. Yeah. Um, Tyreek Hill in the AFC Championship game had two touchdowns. He just completely took over that secondary. Now, he didn't have a bunch of uh, of yards uh, that maybe you'd see from like a Julio Jones or a Michael Thomas, but he had a ton of targets and he had two touchdowns and basically it was unguardable.
2: When you think about like some of the biggest comebacks – that the chiefs have made in the last two years. Like think about the think about the Houston game where Kelsey had three touchdowns in one quarter or go back to last year's Baltimore Ravens game with the fourth and nine and the bomb to Tyree kill that sets him up to win that game. I mean, that's the only thing that I kind of have a problem with, with this list. And also just like the whole George Kittle getting more shine than Travis Kelsey, even after Travis outshined him in the super bowl. That's kind of perplexing to me too.
1: I think the other thing that goes with Mahomes' dominance that is that could make him continuously be dominant in the NFL and clutch in the NFL is that he's finally got a defense. And Binkley, um, who you heard from 10 to noon, you can hear tomorrow from 10 to noon as well on Sunday, is always told people that even in high school, Mahomes never had a defense. Like, he never had a defense that could get him the ball that could, um, that could, that could really put him in position. And I'm like this article that Gil Brandt wrote. I'm the same way where... And the end of that first half, because I was at a watch party, and you know, people go inside, outside, you know, do your things, people go hang darts, people just go get fresh air. And I remember when I saw Kyle Shanahan run the ball, knowing he had three timeouts, and not making any like imperativeness, like in any hurry to do anything, I was like, he's not giving the ball back to Mahomes. He's punting. And it's 10 to 10. He doesn't want to go get field goal range. And you used to see that with guys like Alex Smith, or you'll see that with guys like Kirk Cousins or guys that you're afraid that might give the ball back or, you know, sail a pass that stops the clock, and then all of a sudden Mahomes has the ball back on the 50 with, you know, a minute five left. And you're like, oh crap. Like a minute five is a long time. And like that's what he was avoiding. And that's where Patrick Mahomes sits in the NFL is a top of the list in clutch, talent, and just Overall, just exceptional when it comes to any other position. And I'm telling you right now, we talked about it from the age of 23 to 24 where he sits. We talked about where your franchise sits. If this is happening now at 24 and he doesn't have any significant injuries and he can break the Madden curse this year, he can do it every time he's on the cover for the next 20 years of his career. He'll play for probably at the most 15. Yeah, I mean, get used to it. And that's what the league is. It's 15 in the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: I think one last thing to close on this segment, just reiterating the power of the NFL to be able to turn over because everybody on this list pretty much was not in the league four or five years ago. Like These are all young guys that have kind of taken over the role that was left from the players that we really grew up with in like the early 2000s that were kind of all phasing out at the same time. Now you've gotten to see this complete turnover and the NFL – Doing just fine.
1: Yeah, they're 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 all in on it. They know. They know where their talent is. They know what's gonna happen because guess what? Houston, Baltimore, and Kansas City. Yeah, they're probably gonna have the most prime time games when the schedule's eventually out. Um, I don't believe if he can get into the Hall of Fame now, I don't think it'll happen until he's dead.
0: Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Back in on out of bounds, real quick. Should getting a power running back be a priority for the Chiefs to stay on top next year? If so, do you think we would take away from their pass eccentric offense and Mahomes' magic? I think they like what they have in Damian Williams. I, I think, think you gonna,
2: just need like one more guy. Yeah, you know, go, go you go need somebody Johnson. to like somebody to replace Lashawn McCoy on that roster to be able to like take up some carries. Yeah, and, you know. I'm, yeah. Like Damian, he's had some injury problems here right. and there. So, you know, you got to have somebody that can step up.
1: Yeah, because LaShawn McCoy is probably gone. I mean, you'll have Darwin Thompson there next year. I don't know about Daryl Williams. Uh, but I think that you will have a chance to maybe go maybe go sign like a vet free agent. I was on the drive yesterday with Carrington and uh, surprise villain host uh, Ben Heisler. And Heisler was like, go get David Johnson. If you can renegotiate that contract or it can become like, you know, a lower price contract, go get David Johnson. It's not going to be your feature back, but he can split carries and maybe a new, a new location and a, and an off season where he can get back to being healthy could help. But I don't know if the running backs, what you go get in the priority of the draft. I'd like to see them draft maybe a corner.
2: Yeah. I'd like um, to see them draft offensive linemen. We saw what happened in the middle of the season when people went down, like it can never hurt to have more guys that are capable of protecting your biggest asset.
1: For me, know? it's a, it's a corner, or a linebacker that I'd like linebackers to see them go too. after. Um, I want to talk about this real quick because I don't know if Pete Rose has a case. So I leave it to you, text line 69306 on the Smitty's Garage, burgers and beer, text line 16. Um, But Pete Rose came out and his agent have come out and spoken about the Astros players and their involvement in the sign-stealing scandal and how they were unpunished. And Pete Rose's lawyer, in fact, came out and said, there cannot be one set of rules for Mr. Rose and another for everyone else. So, of course, I always try to find out, you know, what the heel is talking about. And now Pete Rose, who I think has been the heel of baseball for many, many years, one of them at least, Pete Rose asked Commissioner Rob Manfred on Wednesday morning to remove his name from Major League's ineligible list, which would allow the all-time hits leader to be considered for induction into the Hall of Fame. And a petition sent to the MLB Commissioner's office and obtained by ESPN Rose and his lawyers argue that Manfred was recently opted not to punish players guilty of major game-changing rules, infractions, and as a result, should end Pete Rose's 30-and-a-half-year ban for gambling on baseball while, his man- while he was manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the lawyers say that Rose's lifetime ban is vastly um, you know, unfair when compared with MLB's punishments of players who took performance-enhancing drugs and the players involved in the sign-stealing schemes in the 2017 Houston Astros. There cannot be one set of rules for Mr. Rose and another one for everyone else. Rose's 20 page pitching uh, for reinstatement says no objective standard and categorization of this rule violations committed by Mr. Rose can distinguish his violations from the, from that, from those that have incurred sustainability, less severe penalties from major league baseball. Rose also seeks a meeting with Manfred as well. And for those of you that don't know the Pete Rose story, Why he got banned for baseball was, well, because he bet on his team. This came out in 1989. As punishment for betting on baseball, Cincinnati Reds manager Pete Rose accepts a settlement that includes a lifetime ban from from the game. A heated debate continues to rage as to whether Rose, a former player who remains the game's all-time hits leader, should be even given a second chance. Again, this article written from 1989. Um, Gambled on his team. Notorious gambler. And then I guess the worst part about it was... Um, later on in another article in 2004, after, uh, repeated denials, Rose published my prison without bars in which he finally confessed to gambling on the reds on the reds. Though he added, he had, he always bet on the reds to win because of the lifetime ban. Rose cannot work in major league baseball. And despite his stellar playing career, he is not eligible for the hall of fame. Does Rose have an opportunity to get in the hall of fame now with the way baseball has been as of late with the steroids, like Sosa is never getting in. McGuire is never getting in bonds. Maybe I hope bonds gets in Kurt Schilling. I don't know if he took steroids. Allegedly there's a part in his career. He's also just not really a good guy, but a rod. No, never. Um, but a lot of people are pushing for Roger Clemens. Like Roger Clemens and Barry bonds are the two probably first names that come to your head when it comes to steroids. And a lot of people think they should get in the hall of fame. My thing that I've always said about Pete Rose, and I'll end this really quick because I just don't know It's more so for the text line um, and for you out there to kind of think of a debate when you're around the guys tonight or the girls tonight and you're having a debate of sports other than what's the most overrated sports movie because the Oscars are tomorrow. But does Pete Rose deserve to get in? And if he doesn't get in now, he's only going to get in when he dies. That's my argument. I don't think he ever gets in when he's alive. I think he only gets in when he dies.
2: I agree. And I just you know, there's been a lot of scandal in baseball. You talked about the steroid era in baseball. And then now the sign stealing scandal and all this. Yeah. Like at some point, I'm not saying that we overlook some things or like, we just kind of let things slide, but you look back at what he did and it didn't really have as much of a direct impact on the game and the results of the game. Because like you said, he bet on his team to win. So it was more of like a, Hey, I think we got a good matchup today. Maybe I sprinkle a little bets out there, not condoning it or anything because it's against the rules. But At the end of the day, he didn't have as much of a historical impact on the game of baseball in a negative way as some of these other guys, like the guys who have set records and broken records that standed for so long with the use of steroids or, you know, the last couple of years with the sign stealing and everything. It's changed the, the history of the game.
1: Interesting debate. Does Pete Rose get in now or does Pete Rose get in only when he is passed away and no longer living on the face of the earth? It's one o'clock. KU holds off TCU 60 to 46 K state. Coming up, pregame at 6. They tip off at 7 here on 610 Sports Radio. This is Out of Bounds. We'll be right back.
0: Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too.